program, without a doubt. <clears throat> Amen. Let's take our Bibles, look over the book of 1 Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 tonight, we're continuing in our study here on in the book of Timothy, and uh, we're learning how to become an effective Christian along the way. We're uh, just uh, going through the book, and we're dealing with a younger man, a, a young man in the ministry, actually. And, of course, the book of 1 Timothy is what's called a pastoral epistle because, of course, he's a pastor, and the Apostle Paul is writing to him. And I don't have my mic, do I? I don't know where it's at, but it might be in my office. I don't know. But uh, <clears throat> anyway, um, you might want to find that. Is that Steve, go to get it. Okay, good. Thanks. And so <clears throat> we're, dealing with, um, <clears throat> we're dealing with Timothy, who's a, uh, you know, a young pastor, and we have the Apostle Paul who's mentoring him and helping him along the way, and then ultimately sends him there to minister at that particular church in Ephesus. And so <clears throat> this young man is, is certainly uh, facing some trials. He's facing some obstacles and some difficulties and, and just the normal things that take place in the ministry. I mean, it's tough enough for an older gentleman to uh, deal with and address some of the issues that come up in the ministry, let alone a young man. And so the Apostle Paul is working with uh, Timothy, and he's writing a letter trying to encourage him and trying to help him along the way. And so <clears throat> in this case, a younger man is trying to encourage and help the older man. Thank you very much, young man. <clears throat> yeah, we need that, that's for sure. That's a good thing. All right. <clears throat> we'll get this hooked up, and we'll be off to the races here. All right. First <clears throat> Timothy chapter 5. First Timothy chapter 5. Let's go ahead and read just a couple of verses. Let's just read verses 1 through <clears throat> 4 tonight. Four, 1 through 4. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren. The elder women as mothers, the younger sisters with all purity. Honor widows that are widows indeed. <clears throat> Again, the Apostle Paul, he knew that the church of Ephesus had its challenges and that Timothy would certainly face a number of obstacles. But he believed in him. He had trained him. He had worked with him. He had been with him side by side. And as a result, he sends him out to pastor this church. But he wants to make a few things very clear to, the, to, to this young preacher. And first of all, he, he <clears throat> tells him right off the bat that, listen, you're certainly going to face apostasy. You're going to realize that there's a lot of men and uh, those in the church that are going to be ultimately misguiding and inserting worldly doctrines and issues that really don't belong in the church. And he's telling him that there's going to be a number of battles to be faced along the way. And you've got to stand and you're going to have to fight those battles. And although you're young and although you may be somewhat inexperienced, although I'm not convinced he was that inexperienced, I think he'd seen a number of things as he traveled with the Apostle Paul. I think he had enjoyed the opportunity to watch him deal with people and ministry. But still, in the same token, it's a little different when you're on your own finally. It's one thing when someone's standing beside you and you're watching them do it. It's another thing when you're the one that's in charge and they're not around anymore. And so he makes it clear you're going to be fighting a battle. He also tells him to refuse profane and old wise fables and to virtually keep his and his people's focus on nothing other than the truth, the word of God. Keep it focused on the word. And then he tells him to exercise himself rather unto godliness. 
And he's saying, if you want the people to respect you, if you want the people to respond to you, if you want to overcome some of the, maybe the criticisms that may fly in, in light of the fact that you're a young man and they're maybe a little bit older, they'll somehow believe that they, because of their experience, they should possibly, that they know more than you and that they're better equipped than you. He's saying, listen, you're going to have to prove some things to them. So one of the things you better do is exercise yourself unto godliness. You better uh, exercise your body may be good and all, but nothing's more profitable for you both in this life and the next than a consistent spiritual workout. And so, Timothy, you're going to have to be spiritually exercising yourself on a regular basis and continuing to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ if you intend to win the people, if you intend to have their heart, if you intend to have their loyalty. He encourages them to remain faithful in the work of God, to labor and to suffer reproach while trusting in the living God. Listen, it's not always easy, the Christian life at times. It's not that the Christian life is hard. It's a lot easier life than the transgressor's life. The transgressor's life is hard, the Bible says. You know, we got an idea, it seems, in Christianity today that it's so difficult to read our Bible and pray. It's so difficult to, receive, to have Jesus living in our heart and having a fellowship with the Lord in heaven. That's so tough, isn't it? It shouldn't be tough. And yet it seems today that every time, it seems so many times when I deal with Christians, they're like, you just don't realize, man, the Christian life's hard. It's hard to stay pure. It's hard to do this. It's hard to live for God. It's hard to serve Jesus. It's hard to be faithful. It's hard to, man, listen, it's a lot harder to live in that world and sin and deal with it. Man, are you kidding me? I mean, we've got the, mo- the best life in the world as believers. We've got the best of both worlds. Someone says, well, then you're obviously not living the Christian life because if it's... No, I'm saying it's a lot easier than living in the world. A lot easier. And, you know, we need to be a little bit careful about this. First of all, there's a lot of little ears listening to us all the time. You know, maybe, maybe, they're, maybe, maybe if we're not careful, we basically tell them there's, it's impossible to live the Christian life because I'm struggling all the time. I can't do it. So obviously you won't be able to, they think to themselves. I won't better do it. If mom and dad can't be consistent in their Bible reading, if mom and dad can't be consistent in their church attendance, if mom and dad can't be consistent in their Christian walk, then certainly I'm not going to be able to be. But we need to be careful. It's so hard being a Christian, separating yourself from the world. It's so much easier just to go out and do the right things that everybody else does. I think we need to be careful with that. Because that's not what, if the, the Holy God of heaven is living inside our hearts, he ought to be prompting us to want to do the right thing, not the wrong thing. I mean, where's that influence in our life? Where's he at? <clears throat> he instructs them to be an example of the believer in word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, and purity. He's to reflect the character, the compassion, and the conduct that every believer should possess and display before the world. He says also, Timothy, listen, you better, I'm going to encourage you to do something else. You better keep growing you got to keep growing timothy if you want to have victory in the ministry in which you've been placed if you truly want people to to be drawn to you if you really want to be an effective minister of the gospel of jesus christ then you've got to keep growing and he tells him to grow in a couple of areas he tells him you got to grow first of all mentally And you can do that by reading the Word of God, by studying the Scriptures, by reading other works from men and women of God that have accomplished something on behalf of the Lord. But also, not only 
mentally, but ministerially you need to grow. He tells him in, that he needs to exhort the saints. He needs to expound the scriptures. And then finally, we saw that he encouraged him a little later. Actually, I don't know that we covered this too well, but he encouraged him to meditate upon those things. And then to give himself wholly to them. And then to continue in them. You know, there's something to be said about continuing, isn't there? I mean, being consistent and never quitting. Never giving up. Boy, there's some real bad endings to people that quit and give up on the God's house and the Word of God and the things of God. There's some real bad endings. Really bad endings. And I mean, we may believe we'll be the exception to the rule. You know, we can go ahead and neglect the house of God. We can go ahead and curtail the scriptures and to move away from some things and not be so careful. Let me tell you something. There are no exceptions in this room. We're all just human beings. And we're all flesh. Well, we have to be so careful. He says to Timothy, listen, now I've given you some, some <clears throat> real practical tips. Yes, there's going to be some folks that are going to question your leadership, be very critical of you as a leader. Without a doubt, that's going to happen. But if you don't want that to continue, then you're going to have to do some things. And these are the things you need to do. We come to chapter 5 now. In chapter 5, Paul begins by encouraging Timothy in some relationships in the church. He addresses some things. How are you to view the people of God as a pastor? How are you to view the people of God as a parishioner? How should you do that? I think these are very practical now. See, this gets very practical. And um, so we're going to take just a few minutes, and really we're not going to be real long, but we're going to look at just a couple of these in the first couple verses. So let's have a quick word of prayer, and then we'll move from there. Father, we come to you. And Lord, we just ask your God that you'd bless us today. Father, we need you in our life, and Father, we need you today in the work and the ministry that we're doing here at Community Baptist Temple. But Lord, tonight as we go to your word, we just pray that, Father, we'd be encouraged by it. Father, the Word of God is very practical. Lord, sometimes we uh, may be tempted to believe that it's, it's kind of <clears throat> a theory more than anything, but, Lord, it is extremely practical. Help us, Lord, just to see the need to be very simple-minded in this area, to, to see it simple as you lay it out in Scripture, to not make it complicated. Lord, this is... Uh, a wonderful passage, and it can help each and every one of us as members of the church and as members of the body of Christ. Well, thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen. First of all, notice in 1 Timothy 5, 4 again, he says, Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. Now, the word rebuke there literally means uh, to strike at, like to, to hit, to strike. The word translated elder there, on the other hand, is, is referring not so much to the office. It's not talking about the office of elder. It's not talking about pastorate. It's talking about old age. You'll notice in the context again that, again, he's going on. He now he talks about the elder women, the younger men. And, and, and so this is talking about the, the, the elder, an elder, an older gentleman. And he says, they're entreat him like a father. So we've got this idea here going on, you know, that there's older gentlemen, older men in the church. 
And Timothy, of course, is a younger man in the church. He's probably in his mid-30s, we're saying, it, probably maybe late 30s at the most. And here he is pastoring this church at Ephesus. And, and uh, man, I mean, he's going to have a number of men that are older than he is. And, and the Apostle Paul comes back and says, Now listen, rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father. You know, sometimes young people treat and speak to older folks in a way that it's almost like slapping them in the face. You know, they may not literally slap an older person, but they, they, they almost uh, they snap at them or they're, they're short with them or they're, they're disrespectful toward them. And, and it may not be a physical smack, but in a sense, it is indeed a strike. You know, we're given tremendous examples in the Scripture, of, of, of a tremendous example of, of, a, of, of a young man that disregarded the advice of old men. He disregarded their advice. He disregarded their experience. He disregarded their deserved honor. And it cost him. Look at 1 Kings chapter 12. <clears throat> we live in a generation that does not respect older people. At least in America. There are some cultures around the world that are much more sensitive to the elderly. Unfortunately, because we are moving away from a biblical family model, we're losing touch with older people. So there are so many young people being raised by single moms or a single dad or, or, or uh, blended families, all kind of things. People are all around the country. We don't have grandma and grandpa living next to mom and dad. And, and the, the grandkids are separated by miles. And it's just so difficult. And so they don't get the privilege and the opportunity to get to know older people in a way that ultimately affects how they treat others. See, young people that aren't around older people will disrespect older people for the most part because they see them as basically useless. They just get in my way. They're slow. They're opinionated. They're, 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 they're not up with things. They don't get it. They're conservative. I mean, that's the reality of life. That's what's going on in our country. We see a young man here, Rehoboam, Solomon's son. Solomon was considered the, the, the wisest man, the Bible says. God calls him the wisest man. But the problem is, is toward the end of Solomon's life, he wasn't so wise. And now we see that affecting his son. Can I say this? And this is something that I always worry about. I'm concerned in my ministry that I will change as I get older. That all of a sudden the standards I once had, I won't have anymore. Because they're just too hard to keep up. The attitude I've had and the spirit I've had toward others will be lost and I'll become bitter and angry and critical and cynical of people and situation circumstances. And so for the first 20 years of my ministry, everything's going smooth, God's blessing, and I'm excited. The last 20 years of my ministry, if God gives me those years, I'm just cynical. People are jerks. The, the, the ministry's a pain in the tail. Now listen, don't, listen, that is exactly how most pastors, you, you look at preachers, many preachers get very critical and cynical. And they get very, they, they almost despise the work that God's given them to do. Let me tell you, that's a problem. But listen, it's not just in the pulpit, it happens in the pew. 
Mom and dads who are fired up for the things of Christ. Mom and dads who saw the need to separate themselves from the world. Mom and dads who saw that there was a bigger picture all of a sudden say, it's just too hard. It's so much easier. I'm not really that. I don't have the energy I used to have. I'm just going to give in and give up. And their kids see that. And if you start that too early, it will affect your children, even if it's the last five years of their life in your home. Well, the first 10 years we were solid, but the last five or six of their life here, it was rough. Let me tell you what, that's Rehoboam, I think. Let's look at what happened with Rehoboam, 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. And King Rehoboam consulted with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived and said... Now, again, Solomon has passed by the wayside, and he's, he's dead now. He's, he's, in, he's in with the Lord, or in this case, he's in paradise. But we see here Solomon gone off the scene. Now we have Rehoboam, the son, who's supposed to take over the kingdom and uh, take over Israel. And so anyway, he consulted with the old men. That was a good move on his part, to consult with the old men, don't you think? That's pretty good. The same guys that stood before Solomon, his father. By the way, Solomon had what was considered probably the greatest reign in all of Israel's history. A peaceful reign. I mean, he, he, he had prosperity and peace in his reign. And so it's a good thing for Rehoboam to go and consult with the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he yet lived, and said, how do you, how do you advise that I may answer this people? What advice do you have for me? How should I address this people? What should I say to them? How should I approach them? They spake unto him, saying, If thou will be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Notice the next verse. But he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, and which stood before him. I don't know about you, but something don't sound right about what just happened there. What what I mean by that is, notice that that here he is now. He consults with the old men. But it says in verse 8, but he forsook the counsel of the old men. Guess what? He forsook the counsel of the old men before he ever consulted with the young men. Now, how'd that happen? You know what I think happened? I think Rehoboam already knew what he wanted to do. And he's just looking for somebody to authenticate that, to somebody to say, yeah, that's what we would do too. And he wanted to be able to say, the old men told me to act like this. Those that stood before my father said that. This is what they told me to do. But they didn't tell him that. And so he just disregarded them. Stupid old men. He said, that's pretty crude. Well, that's exactly what he did. He just, what? Slapped them in the face. He just slapped him in the face. Now listen, before you think your parents are stupid, before you think the preacher's an idiot, before you think that all the old guys in the church that are probably 30 and over if you're a teenager don't know what they're doing, you better think about this young man. You better reconsider how you view people that have experienced a little bit of life who have lived their life for the Lord to this point, who have accomplished ten times what you want to accomplish at this point in your life. It goes on to say, but he forsook the counsel of the old men, 
which they had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. He wanted things changed already. I I don't believe he was genuinely seeking counsel. I think he already had a direction, already knew what he wanted to do, and he already felt like, you know what? These guys, these old guys, they're just going to get in the way of my rule and my reign. I'd rather them just move off the scene because all I'm going to hear about is that we still need to keep the old ways and we still have to keep the landmarks and we still have to follow the truth and we still have... And I've got some new ideas. I want a praise team on stage and I want to, I want to change my Bible. I don't need a King James Bible anymore. Let's use something else. Separate from the world? Come on. Standards aren't that big a deal anymore. Let's get these old people out of the way because all they want to do is make us stay in that old stuff. And I'm a young man and I got some new ideas. And so I think he already wrote them off before he ever consulted with them. He slapped them in the face is what he did. And you know how it ended? He lost... The kingdom. Oh, he had one and a half tribes, basically two, if you will. Judah, Benjamin. But Israel was never the same after that. Never. All because of a prideful, arrogant young man who disrespected and showed no respect toward old people. Young men, you better be careful. We don't talk like that stuff much. And we don't talk about stuff like that much. If I said, how many of you have contact with your grandmothers at least once a week? I bet you'd find that even in our church, very few of our young people are being influenced by their grandparents. And let me say, if they're not being influenced by their grandparents, they're probably not being influenced by anybody that's older. And let me tell you, their attitude toward old people would be if, there, if a parent is an extremely over-the-top dealing with this, they're going to take their view of older people from the media. You know what they're going to say? You know, once you hit about 70, you've lived a long life anyway. Why should we be paying for all of these older people to live on Medicare and Medicaid? We might as well just give them a little pill and let them slip off because we're just footing their bills now. That's where it leads euthanasia and everything else that goes with it, and assisted suicide, which will be in America very, very soon. It's already in America, by the way. It's already in our hospitals. Now they're just sending, certain hospitals have said, and certain doctors have said, we will not participate. So what they're doing now is sending them to doctors who will participate. It's happening. The sanctity of life has been lost. On the other hand, we have a number of examples of how old people or old age is treated with honor and dignity through the Bible. A number of them. Think about Abraham. Do you realize that Abraham was 75 when God first called him? Can you imagine that? And he was 80 years old. You figure he spent 40 years in Egypt and 40 years on the backside of the desert. I mean, excuse me, I got the wrong guy. I'm on Moses already. That's 80. I was going to think 75. Wait a second. 75 and 40 and 40s. Yeah. So 75. But Abraham was 75 years old. Can you imagine that? Called out of the earth of the Chaldees. That's something, isn't it? 
Well, actually, that, that's not quite exactly either. It says, So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abraham was seventy and five years old when he departed from Haran. Haran. So that, that's amazing, 75. Okay, how many of you are 75 and ready to start a ministry? You know, I mean, take over, you know. You say, it was different in those days. Yeah, I know. It was a little different. He lived to be what? How old did Abraham live to be? Can anybody remember? 100 and what? 75? I think it was 175. How many of you would like to live to be 175 in this world? I don't know. I think, I'd, I think heaven might be looking pretty good about now. Moses was 80 when he, he received his call to emancipate the Hebrew people from bondage in Egypt. 80 years old. Caleb. How old, does anybody remember how old Caleb was? When he, you know, he was going to take that mountain? How much was, he was 85. 85. Man, the Lord doesn't... Man, the Lord uses people that are older. I mean, He does. He uses people that are older. And now, behold, the Lord had kept me alive, and he, these 40 and 5 years, and of course he was 40 when they went in, it's 40 and 5 years later now, he's 85. So even since the Lord has spake his word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and 5 years old. Man, I mean, he's getting ready to go fight a battle. You know, it's believed that Daniel was up in his upper 80s. It's his upper 80s. Some have said as old as 88 years of age when he began to pray to the Lord about the ending of Babylonian captivity. 88, can you imagine? I mean, being used like that in, in that sense. See, God's not, God, God uses older people. God respects uh, the, 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 the age and, 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 and respects the, 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 the uh, experience. And you know what, young people, you ought to too. You ought to respect them. And you ought to look to them. And you ought to seek their advice. And you ought to get some insight from them. They've lived all those years. You might as well take advantage of it. Don't be like Rehoboam. Then he talks to the younger men. And he says, now I want you to, he says, so, so first of all, Timothy, you know, treat these older men, those of old age, you know, treat them, he says, like a father. Look to them like a father. And then he goes on to say and speak about the young men. And he says, the younger men as brethren, as brethren. Now, Timothy's a preacher, and that means that there's going to be some young, there's going to be men that are his age and below then that fall into this category. And so he says, for those men, you treat them like they're your brothers, basically. The older men, you treat like they're your father. The younger men, you treat like they're your brothers. Now, the Bible first talks about brethren or brothers when it talks about Cain and Abel. It's the first time we see that. We know how that ends. That's not too good, is it? But for time, I'm going to move along here, but we see here that in the church, we're to look at people. It's, I mean, it's a big family is what it is. It's a big family. And, and God continues to use that picture for us to help us understand some things. And so the next time you have a problem with an older gentleman in the church, you need to go, how, should I, how would I treat him if he's my dad, a father to me? And, and some of you that are 40 and there's a 50, 55 or 60-year-old, 
and, and you don't get what's going on, you need to be real careful and say, you know what, wait a second. Biblically and scripturally, I ought to treat them like they were my dad. Now, I may not agree with what they're saying to me, and I may not even approve of what they're doing, but I'm going to show some respect to them like I would if they were my father. Now, last time I checked, I'm, I'm a little bit older, but for a number of years now, my dad could say something to me like, son, I don't think you should be pastoring the church. And I'd be like, well, dad, I appreciate your input uh, and, and I'm hearing you, but unfortunately, I'm just going to have to obey the Lord. I, I respect you. I appreciate your, in, your input. I, I, you know, I'll at least listen to it. I'll even pray about it. But dad, you know, I'm kind of grown up now, so I got to follow the Lord. But I'd respect him. And there might be some things that go on here. Some of you older men, I may not agree with you. But I'm supposed to at least show some respect to you. I'm supposed to, to, to treat you as a father. And unfortunately, and, and not unfortunately, but fortunately, every one of us are to do the same thing. So, it's the same with the, those that are, that are your age and younger, though, too. You're to treat them like brothers. Treat them like brothers. He then talks about elder women or older women. And he says something about them too now. And he says, So rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers. Now, i got to believe that Timothy, even though he was a little bit older, but isn't it funny how moms always mother? I got to believe even in the church, Timothy, when he arrived there and he's preaching, I got to believe some of those older ladies were mothering him. Don't you think so? Yeah, I, and I think that's a good thing. That's a wonderful thing. But God intended, God intends the church to be a big family again. And so Timothy says, now listen, you're dealing with these people and sometimes it's not going to be easy and there's going to be conflict from time to time. There's going to be circumstances and situations that arrive, arise that, 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 that really you may struggle with. But listen, when you deal with an older person, don't rebuke an elder person like that, an older man. He go, you go, you, you entreat him like a father. And you know what? You got an issue with a, a, a man your age or younger, then you treat him like a brother. And if you got an issue or you got something going on with one of the elder women, you entreat him like a mother. Now, in the world we live in, kids don't always treat their mothers with respect. Boy, is it important, Dad, that you stand behind your wife. I, I, st- <laughs> I still remember, you know, I still remember very vividly when the day came when I got old enough that my mom was no longer my mom. She was my dad's wife. I remember that day. I was kind of a young teenager. And all of a sudden it wasn't, you will not talk to your mother like that. Now now it was, you will not talk to my wife like that. I won't let any man talk to my wife like that. You want to talk to my wife like that, then you're going to be picking your teeth up off the floor. Now listen, I remember that day. I remember how that went. Now, 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 you know, and so, yes, my mother, but... The fact is, is that I was taught to respect my mom. And you say, well, that was barbaric and that was unorthodox. And yeah, well, I still respect her to this day. It worked. It really worked. It's amazing. I don't know if the other stuff I've seen around is working very well, but I know what I did, what my dad had, had did. 
And, and, you know, my dad will tell you that he really got saved when he was in his 50s, but he still knew that you have to respect your mother and that it's only right and, and that it's just the way it should be. You don't have to be a Christian to do that. But he says, now listen, Timothy, entreat the elder women as mothers. Boy, listen, if you grew up and you had a mom that cared for you and you had a mom that met your needs, you had a mom like fortunately I had. I I was blessed with a wonderful mom. Not everybody has that, but hold on a second. We know what a mother's supposed to be. We know how a mother should be treated in the Word of God. Honor and obey your parents. There's an issue of honor here. You say, well, my mother was not mothering. She wasn't very, uh, you know, um, she wasn't um, very, uh, what's a mother supposed to, let's see, dads provide, moms nurture. nurture. Thank you. I was looking for that word. Couldn't find it. She wasn't very nurturing. That's all right, but that's what the Bible says a mother ought to be. And you, you still need to treat the ladies, the older ladies in the church like mothers. So Timothy's over here, he's doing the ministry, and some older lady comes up and says, young man, I don't agree with how you're handling this. Be quiet, old lady. Who asked you anyway? You don't know nothing. Uh, no, Timothy, that's not how you handle it, Paul says. You say, what? Well, we hear people out here all the time talking like that. We have men that call their wives old lady. And we got stu- dumb stuff going on. Instead, he says, you don't, I'm sorry, what, well, let's, let's talk about that. I'm going to treat you like my mother now. I'm going to treat you like somebody that nurtured me. I'm going to treat you like somebody that loves me and cared for me, somebody that really invested their life in me. I'm going to go ahead and listen to you because you've earned that right yes. as my mother. But see, you say, but they're not your mother. I know, but he says to entreat them as your mother. Therefore, you young men, every woman that's older than you, then she's, I mean, when she's older, you know, she's like a mother. Then listen, if they come to you and point out an area in your life that's weak or they tell you that you're not doing something right or they just lose their mind and go crazy on you for no reason. Moms never do that. You need to think about that for a minute and say, you know what? How would I respond if this is my mother? I understand my mom, she, sometimes maybe she was under a lot of pressure. Maybe she was going through a difficult time. I've always tried to respect her the best I could because she earned that right. And may I say that's exactly how we should respect and respond to the ladies in our church that are older than us. Amen. He talks about younger women. And, and again, in this passage, he says, he says simply this. He says, I can't find it, man. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the elder women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. Again, Paul tells Timothy to relate to the younger women in the church or those that are your age or thereabout as sisters with all purity. Now, I never had a biological sister. I didn't have one. I had brothers. But from what I can tell from my own kids who did have sisters, is that the feeling of a brother for a sister is usually that of protective love. I'm going to protect my sister. Now, they may want to kill them, (laughs) but nobody else is allowed. Okay? Okay? 
there's a protective attitude. There's a feeling of protection. It, it, again, there's a, it's, it's tender, but not without toughness. You know what I mean? Now, the closeness of a brother-sister relationship has well-defined limits, doesn't it? At least it does in the Word of God. See, a sister is not a wife. A healthy brother-sister relationship involves not so much of a thought of impropriety or that which goes beyond the boundaries set by nature and by the Word of God. Not a bit. It is unnatural for a brother and a sister to do anything inappropriate that goes against God and nature. It's just, it's not natural. It's not right. It's not that's not how it's supposed to work. And so in the church, born-again women, those that have been regenerated, those that are children of God, are, are our sisters in Christ. And, and again, if they're older, we, we entreat them as mothers. But if they're younger, we entreat them as sisters. What would this put to rest a lot of problems in churches? Wouldn't this fix a lot of problems right here? Relationship between guys and girls in the church can be close and it can be encouraging, but there has to be strict limits. And it's not just how we respond. It's not just how we act toward. It's how we think toward. You young men are not married to these young ladies. You need to treat them like a sister. Would you hug your sister and love on your sister the way you think in your mind on them? Because if you, should, if you wouldn't, you shouldn't be doing that. You don't think those things. You don't, you don't do those things. You consider them a sister. And when God begins to work in your life and you're old enough to think about having a relationship with a woman and ultimately being married, then things will begin to work out and change and you will have a wife and it'll be weird because one of them will be your sister in Christ. Because <laughs> you'll have thought of her as a sister. And now all of a sudden, wow, <laughs> I don't see her that way anymore. <laughs> and that's okay at that point. But it'll solve a lot of problems. It'll solve a lot of problems. And again, we're talking about what God intends for us today. And as he talks to Timothy, Timothy's a young man. And he's saying, Timothy, you especially as a pastor need to be so careful that when you view your congregation and you see young ladies that are your age and younger or at least in that ballpark range, you entreat them as sisters. You have to see them that way. Because if you don't, you open up your mind and your life to things that don't belong in, the, in a believer's life. And it's the same with every man in this room and every woman in this room when it comes to these things. But notice he focuses specifically on men toward the young ladies. People get all bent out of shape when we say things like, we don't teach around here that... We, we teach boys and girls that they should not touch till they're married. And some people are like, that's unrealistic, that's stupid. That doesn't even make sense. It does when you consider this passage. When's the last time you see a brother that's 16 and a sister that's 15 walking hand in hand and hugging each other and holding each other and kissing each other in public and on the mouth? When's the last time you've seen that? And if they did, you'd go, that's weird. I don't, that's, that's unnatural affection between siblings. 
Why do you, why? It's a biblical principle. We're to treat the younger women as sisters. We're to treat them that way. Paul's trying to protect Timothy, and he's trying to preserve the ministry. And if there's one thing that will destroy ministry, it is relationships. It's the very thing that will make a church strong, but it's also the greatest part of weakness. And our relationship with one another needs to be defined scripturally. And God makes it real simple for Timothy. Rebuke not an elder, Timothy, but entreat him as a father. Treat him like he's your dad. Show him the respect he deserves and that I demand of you. And Timothy, the younger men, you treat them like brothers. Understand that some of those younger men aren't going to be as mature as you and they're not going to have lived as much life and they're going to have some crazy ideas from time to time or they're going to try to test you and try to push you and try to see if you're really as tough as you think you are. Just like a younger brother might. But you treat him like a brother anyway. You show him some mercy. You love on him a little bit and you show him kindness, consideration. Kick them in the backside. Get them moving sometimes. Tell them what needs to be said and do what needs to be done, but do it with a heart of love like you would with your own brother. He says, and by the way, Timothy, the elder women, you, you need to treat them like a mother. They certainly have earned your respect. They deserve that. You show it to them. They don't always have to be right. They don't always have to, to, to see things the way you see it, but you show them the respect and the honor that you would show a mother. And he goes on finally to say, and those younger girls, those younger women, you treat them as a sister. And if you will view them as your sister, you won't have to worry about this, this, or this. You have to get it right, Timothy. The devil is alive and well. And you have to get it right. And every young man in the church, every older man in the church, has to do the same thing. And every woman, and and this is a direction toward two men concerning relationships in the church. If you young men will see that, things the way God sees it, and if us older men will see things the way God sees it and says we should, then it will avoid a lot of problems. And we'll see a church that's pure and clean and a church that's encouraging and uplifting and a church that gets along with one another and shows the right kind of respect and addresses issues on the right level and ultimately goes forward on behalf of the Lord. Father, help us, Lord. We thank you for the simplicity of your word and